Welcome back to another episode of The Sports Skinny. My name is Samara Rosenfeld, and I am here today with my co-host, Andrew Heller. We've got some best bets for NFL Week 6 coming at you. Week 5, I didn't do too hot. I didn't like the board very much Week 5. I don't think I took a single game like straight up to win or with the spread. All I did was prop bets Week 5. I did pretty well, but yeah, I was afraid of the board last week. Yeah, this this week the board's a little bit better. I know you said that you love the board this week. Oh, I love it. Yeah, too many options. I picked four today, but really I could go through them all if we had the time. All right, well, let's dive right into it then, Andrew. You start us off. What what are you liking this week? So for to start off, I'll go with my gut pick of the week. And it's, it's funny because it's actually the last game of the week. If we look at the Cowboys-Cardinals, Cowboys – just came off that devastating injury to Dak Prescott. I think they are ready to rally and show their fans that they're going to come out on top. Um, currently, the line is plus one for the Cowboys, over under set at 54. And like I said, this is just my gut feeling pick because if we look at the betting trends, Arizona is four and one against the spread in its last five games against Dallas. So that might be dating back a little bit. But in the last six games for Dallas, they're one and five against the spread. So Dallas, not necessarily looking too hot, but Cardinals are only three and two on the year. And two of their wins came against the Jets and the Washington football team. So the strength of schedule might come into, a, uh, come into play here. And when they've lost, they've looked pretty bad, losing to the Panthers and the Lions. So Cardinals are giving up 124 rushing yards per game. I think Zeke needs to step up and show Dallas Nation that he's going to be the leader of the team with Dak out. And plus, this is kind of the year of the comeback quarterback. We're seeing Cam Newton and as well as Teddy Bridgewater having good seasons. So why can't Andy Dalton uh, step in on that too? I'm taking Cowboys plus one and Moneyline here on this one. Small play. Plus, I mean, obviously you mentioned the Jets, so I was paying close attention to the Cardinals last week. I didn't see anything. I feel like people are praising Kyler Murray a lot. And I feel like some of it's a little unwarranted. I didn't see anything that was that spectacular out of Kyler Murray last week, especially against the Jets defense that's pretty depleted. You have Mekhi Becton who's out. You have, you know, our top player, CJ Mosley, opted out for coronavirus concerns. And and Kyler Murray just didn't seem to do it for me. And I wasn't extremely impressed with anything that he brought to the table. The thing I was impressed with was DeAndre Hopkins going out and making tough catches. But, you know, running back-wise, Kenyon Drake, I think, is underperforming immensely this season as a running back. And the Cardinals just – I mean, you mentioned the two wins – two of their three wins are against Washington and the Lions. And those are not – particularly good football teams no they're really not and yeah I mean Kenyon Drake not having a great year really Hopkins is their top performer but I think like you said I think some people sometimes you know lump Kyler Murray in with that category of some of the top best young quarterbacks right now and I really don't see that so I, I think Dallas you know might be able to just ride some kind of comeback momentum if that's what you want to call it after losing their franchise quarterback and I think they'll give Arizona a run for their money and probably come out on top by a field goal. All right. Well, 
I'm also going to start off with an underdog. I like the underdogs this week. Is what my tre- my at least two of my three picks are underdogs. I like the Jaguars plus three and a half over the Lions. Right on. Hear me out. Fun fact: the Lions have failed to cover the spread in seven of their last eight games against teams with a losing record. Well, Jaguars oh, okay. have a losing record. They're one and four. <laughs> um, <laughs> This does feel like a game where both of the quarterbacks are going to come out slinging the football, so maybe keep an eye out on the over-under. I think it's at 54-and-a-half right now, uh, according to DraftKings. But I know that wide receiver DJ Chark is struggling with an injury. He's likely out. But I do like the rapport that Gardner Minshew has built with LaVisca Chenault Jr., who is the leader in reception so far this season with 270 yards and one touchdown. You even have wide receiver Keelan Cole Sr., who's added three touchdowns of his own. And then in the backfield, rookie James Robinson's been doing a good job. He has three touchdowns and is leading, obviously, with 333 rushing yards. I think defensively is where you need to worry about the Jaguars because they rank 30th in the league, giving up 416.8 yards, and they're in the bottom 10 in scoring defense at 29.4 points per game. But offensively for the Lions, I'm not seeing too much pizzazz. And Matthew Stafford is one of those quarterbacks where he could be in like everyone's top 10 or top 15 every year because he's consistent. But the Lions are only ranked 25th in offense this year. They only have, they have just over 1,300 yards gained. I don't think Adrian Peterson is making that much of a difference. He's not exactly reliable at running back anymore. He only has one touchdown this season and 245 yards. And I think that one of their star offensive players, tight end TJ Hawkinson, is being extremely underused. He only has 15 receptions this season. So, I mean, if you put all of that into consideration – Three and a half points seems like it can easily easily go in the favor of the Jaguars. Uh, it, I, I also – I'm going to add the over to that as well. Right on. I think that's a terrific analysis. We were talking about this game a little earlier in the week, and I was sort of on the fence on it. But I think you just sold me on the Jaguars big time. The, the defensive statistics there worry me a little bit, but – you bring up the great counterpoint that the Lions offense really isn't doing anything. Stafford's just okay anymore. Peterson, he you're right, he only has one touchdown. And I think I saw that he's listed as questionable. He, he is. Has, he oh. had an, an illness this week. Could it be COVID? They're saying it's not, but, you know, they have to protect everyone and stuff that's, nowadays. That's right. So he may not even be there. And, you know, at three and a half, you're getting the hook. Why not ride the Jaguars? You know, only one and four, but they're due for a good win eventually. And who better than against the Lions? Right on. How about you? What else do we have this week? So moving away from picking a team to win, I'm liking the over-under in the Steelers-Browns game. And this is a game that at first I saw the number and I was just like instant over. Like this is for sure, no doubt. Then I looked at the numbers and I got a little nervous. So if we look at um, the recent numbers here, Cleveland is averaging 31.2 points per game scoring. That's number four in the NFL, but they are surrendering 29.8 points per game. 
maybe do some quick math there, make that adds up to 52 or 51, which is right where the number is. And then on Pittsburgh's side, they're averaging 29 and a half points per game scoring, but surrendering 21.8. So literally that over under is like spot on 51, exactly where both teams are playing statistically. And then trend wise, the over has hit in four of Cleveland's last five games, but on Pittsburgh's side, the under has hit in eight of their last 11. So, I mean, you, you got two things that are just, it's like a bad Massive bit, contradictions. You know? Massive contradictions here. However, I just think this is a key battle in the AFC North. And if we look at the actual scores this year, Pittsburgh has scored at least 26 in every game. And aside from a week one dud against Baltimore, um, the Browns have scored at least 30 in every game. So I think I'm still confident on the over, despite looking at the stats too much. I'd go Pittsburgh, Browns, over 51. I like that pick too. I'll take that pick to the, to the bank as well. You know, offensively, we've talked about how it's a little weird that despite the offensive weapons that Baker Mayfield has, he's kind of iffy with them. He doesn't have, he's not too strong with especially Jarvis Landry. I feel like he doesn't, you know, you barely talk about him nowadays. And he was one of the top, he was a very good, strong receiver at one point. But, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. did miss a practice. He was pulled out of practice because of an illness. But I'm still not worried. Even without Nick Chubb, I'm not worried because Kareem Hunt has been absolutely killing it. I like the over there too. Now you have new weapons for the Steelers too with, what's his name, Chase Claypool. Claypool, yeah. Claypool, Uh, four touchdowns. I mean, Juju did absolutely nothing in that game, but it was good for me because I think I was playing against Juju in fantasy. But I had him in my other fantasy league. Uh, (laughs) But – the one that the, the fantasy league that really mattered is is the one where I was playing against him and he did absolutely nothing. So it was good to see. But I like the over fifty one. I don't think that'll be hard for for that for either team to get to that point. Yes, like you, so many good wide receivers. We got teams. They're both playing hot. I think it's an easy over. I put at least three units on. Wow. All right. You want another underdog, Andrew? Oh, I love the dogs. Let's see it now. This one is a little surprising, and I was on the fence about whether I wanted to make it a pick or or avoid it completely. Hear me out. Eagles plus eight over the Ravens. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I like it. Uh, All right. We have to to face it. The Ravens have not looked as dominant as many people would have expected this season. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson doesn't look like the MVP he was last year. And offensively, things don't look like they're clicking like Harbaugh would like. Despite a 4-1 and one record, you have to give it to them. They're second place behind the Steelers. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Lamar Jackson has a, a knee injury. He looks a little slow. He's not able to rush as much. And that's a big part of his game is being able to run. Now... Here's another fun fact for you. The underdogs have covered the spread in each of the Eagles' last five games at the link. Whoa. Philly fans love to hear that. I believe Carson Wentz found an offensive weapon that he needed in Travis Fulgham. 
He had 10 receptions for 152 yards and a touchdown last week. And they held it close against the Steelers. Yeah. That, that game was extremely close against the undefeated Steelers team. The big thing here that you're going to need to worry about is the Ravens' defense, one of the best defenses in the league. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I still like the Eagles to cover here. Uh, you know, give them a, a touchdown, a touchdown. They could, they could lose by a touchdown. I could see that happening. Absolutely. They're, they're a scrappy team. And Miles Sanders has been doing a really great job rushing. For sure, yeah. Doug Peterson's learning how to use him. Carson Wentz is, you know, trying to be a leader and is getting better each week. Especially because everyone's been talking smack about Carson Wentz not being able to prove himself. Oh, should they have kept Nick Foles? Carson Wentz is a dud. Um, you know, posting a, what what didn't when they played the 49ers, they posted a picture of Nick Mullins on the ESPN graphic or the NFL graphic instead of Carson Wentz because right. of how poor Carson Wentz. He has something to prove, definitely. I mean, the they need to figure out a way to get Zach Ertz more involved. He's one of the highest paid tight ends in the league, and he's doing absolutely nothing this season. What do you have like one reception last week? Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, I have him as my starting tight end in both fantasy leagues, and he's been trash. And I, I would have thought going into the season that he would have been Wentz's best target. Not seeing that at all. No, not at all. They have to figure out a way to get him involved. Mm-hmm. I don't care how they do it, but it's absolutely necessary, especially if they want to win these bigger matchups or at least, you know, cover the spread for me. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I like that pick a lot, and you're spot on spot on with the fact that there's been so much criticism surrounding the birds they play better when the whole town's you know talking bad about them so i i think eight points you gotta buy a touchdown for sure that can cover all right what else do we have this week okay so this is another pick i feel like all my picks this week maybe it's because i'm not gambling as much during the week now that the nba finals and you know, the Yankees aren't in the playoffs anymore. So I'm not gambling as much during the week. And all of my picks this week are kind of right around the plus 100. It's a gutsy pick. I've taken Panthers minus one and a half against the Bears. And I'm pretty sure, you know, if you, have, if you want to bet this game, maybe just go find a buddy, flip a coin for $20. You're probably getting the same odds. This is going to be a super close game. The Bears are four and one. They're 2-0 and on the road. This game is in Carolina. And Nick Foles is feeling a lot of confidence after beating Tom Brady. However, I'm pretty sure that Brady is the only quarterback that Nick Foles could beat. Nick <laughs> Foles didn't even look that good. Yeah, right. He just gets lucky against Brady. So I'm like a Teddy Bridgewater. They've won three in a row. They are, I think, tied for first place in the NFC South with the Bucks. Well, maybe they're in sole possession first place. It's a tight race down there in the NFC South. And I think the Panthers know that they need to win these games while McCaffrey is injured because when they get him back, they're going to be a complete team and they can really push for that division title. So I'm taking the Panthers here to keep riding with their momentum. Minus one and a half. I mean, if you want to feel safe, you can take it at the money line. But Panthers, minus one and a half. They're doing well um, suppressing the quarterback. They're limiting them to an 89.7 rating, which is number eight in the NFL, or just 6.3 yards per pass attempt. And like you said, Nick Foles didn't look that great against the Bucs. So 
I don't think he's going to look that great against the Panthers this weekend either. Plus, I have a, I have a hot take. Let's hear The Carolina Panthers have a top five wide receiver tandem in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. That is a total hot take. It's a hot take, I know, but you have to look at the stats. I mean, Robbie Anderson is averaging, let's see, I'm not going to do the math right now, but he had 114 yards and a touchdown against the Raiders. He had 109 yards against the Bucks. Only 55 against the Chargers and then 99 against the Cardinals. He looks great. I wish that he was still on the Jets to use as an offensive weapon because now we only have Jamison Crowder, who's been up and down. The, the biggest thing for me is that they're not, they're not scoring enough touchdowns. But as a receiving core, they're getting the yards. They're averaging like 13 yards per game, yards per reception. Mm-hmm. And they're a scary matchup, I think, for a lot of defenses. I agree. I, and I really like their head coach, um, Matt Rule, I think. Mm-hmm. That's his name. He used to coach for Temple and had a really great offense at Temple. He's a good offensive mind. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I lied. I lied. DJ Moore's averaging 16 yards per reception but he doesn't have any touchdowns yet this season which is the biggest problem and Robbie Anderson I mean I read off all of his stats he's averaging 13 and a half um per reception but I mean they're both very fast they're still both very young and uh, if they're not top five they can be top five they're top 10 at least right if they keep it up definitely Exactly. They, there's a lot of room to grow. It's Robbie Anderson's first season in the, the new system. And Teddy Bridgewater wasn't necessarily known to be a throwing quarterback. So they're also learning to work with each other. And I like, I think that there is a strong future in Carolina for sure. Agreed. Agreed. I've, I've, maybe it's not that gutsy of a pick. Maybe Carolina lock of the week. Can't quite make the lock of the week, but it's up there. All right, now on to my – here's my final pick of the week, and I'll call this one my lock of the week. Rams minus three over the 49ers. Great pick. The Rams have looked really good this season and are sitting at second place in the NFC West at 4-1. and one. Only loss was to the Bills in that insane comeback where – the Rams, the Rams got gypped. There was a bad call that gave the Bills a chance and gave the Bills ultimately the Bills won. So it didn't give them a chance. They wound up winning. But, I mean, they're, they're just behind the Seahawks who have looked absolutely incredible this season. Jared Goff has looked pretty good, not going to lie. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of yards, 1,300 yards, but he has eight touchdowns, only three interceptions. The run game looks extremely str- extremely strong with Daryl Henderson Jr. He has three touchdowns so far this season. I think he's been a surprise, especially since moving away from Todd Gurley. Henderson's picked up a lot of the slack there. You have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They're doing their thing to solidify that wide receiver core. 
Robert Woods is actually on the upswing. He's had a good last two weeks. And you have tight end Tyler Higby adding 11 yards per reception and three touchdowns so far this season. And we can't forget to mention that the 49ers have simply looked terrible this season. Their only really convincing win was against the Jets, and that's the game where everyone got hurt. Uh, you know, you had Bosa go out with an injury, Raheem Moster go out with an injury, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in that game, uh, other defensive players got hurt. Coming off their loss in the Super Bowl, it's really just been a disaster for them. What they, I'm not sure what their record is right now. Um, I think they're two and three on the season. That's, That's exactly right. right. They beat the, the Giants was their other win. Correct. So, again, nothing super convincing there. The Giants haven't won a game yet. They're one of the worst defenses, one of the worst offenses in the league, just like the Jets are. So, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was still looking for his footing, no pun intended there with his ankle injury. He was even replaced by C.J. Beathard last week after he threw two interceptions and only 77 yards against the Dolphins. And like I mentioned, defensive injuries have hurt the team and running the running back game has really struggled because Raheem Mostert got hurt and he's just now coming back into the mix. And Jarek McKinnon had tried to pick up his slack when he was out and did a little bit, but is a little bit more conservative. He's not as fast. He can't break through some of those tackles like Mostert can. So this seems like an easy pick for me. Like, lock of the week, no doubt. Rams are clicking on all cylinders. They have one of the best defensive players, and he's actually leading right now in defensive MVP in Aaron Donald on DraftKings anyway. He's, I think, plus 300. I believe Miles Garrett is the next and second at plus 450. Um, But this team looks hot right now, and I wouldn't want to – bet against them and especially when the 49ers are down and out they're even talking about potentially moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo and that was a big and that was a big acquisition that they made you know getting him from the Patriots and uh was he the you know the prodigy of Tom Brady and uh you know he was learning under Bill Belichick and all of these things there have been rumors circulating that they're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo so do with that what you want. Maybe Garoppolo comes out with a chip on his shoulder. But Jared Goff and, and this offense has been, again, firing away. And I'm fully confident that this game is won by more than a field goal. I, I can't argue with that at all. And when I saw that line, I was totally surprised that it's only three points. You'd think this would be at least a touchdown of a spread. You know, yeah, especially with how the 49ers have been playing. Right. It's just not good. And they've got all the injuries. I didn't know about the Jimmy Garoppolo rumors, but I mean, he doesn't strike me as a guy who's had enough experience to come out of a chip on his shoulder and do better than he's been doing. You know, I think that happens to guys like Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or people who have been in the league for like 10 plus years. You know, if you're just Jimmy G. He's kind of like a one-hand wonder, so to speak. So, yeah, can't Rams riding hot. McVay, great play caller. Three points should be easy. What other picks do you have this week? Well, I only have one more, and it is my lock of the week. 
Oh, can, let's you know, let me think. What do we have here? What else could it be? It's obviously the Packers. The Packers. And it's um, a full disclosure, because you know, gambling should be a responsible thing. It is my lock of the week because I think after this week, the Packers are going to be heavy favorites, and you'll never see them this close to even money again. However, this is an extremely tough, and it's going to be a great matchup. If you're not a fan of the Packers or the Bucks, just watch this game. It's going to be a good one. I'm all in on the line, so it's Packers minus one and minus 114 for the money line. Um, Over-under is set at 55 and a half, so – Forgive me for a long tangent here, but I got a lot of notes on this one because it's a Brady and Rodgers matchup, and I couldn't be more excited. It's only the third time these guys have played each other, and each quarterback has won a game. So it's one and one for each, sort of like the tiebreaker. On one side, it's another contradictory game. Green Bay has the highest scoring offense in the league, averaging 38 points per game. Rodgers currently thrown 13 touchdowns, no picks. He's on fire. Plus, we have our running back, Aaron Jones, averaging 5.8 yards per attempt. And I'm pretty convinced I've been watching the Packers for 25 years now. This is the best running back I've seen in my lifetime, without a doubt. I mean, Eddie Lacy, gone with the wind. Like, totally forgot about him. Aaron Jones is the man. Now, so that's one great offense. On the other end, Tampa Bay's defense is looking phenomenal and I didn't see that coming at the beginning of the season, to be honest with you. But they are the number two defense in the league, only allowing 298.2 total yards per game. And they're also the number eight team in points allowed per game, only allowing 22 points per game. So you got a great offense facing a great defense. Bucks also have a good offense, though. And, but here's my thing with that. Godwin, struggling with injuries. Gronkowski, I think Godwin's still probable. He's listed as questionable, but I'm seeing things on fantasy that he's going to play. Gronkowski, he's also listed as questionable, but even if he does play, I don't think he's that big of a factor anymore. For the Bucks running backs, you have Leonard Fournette questionable, but I think they're moving on from him entirely. They have uh, Jones the second or Howard, Ronald Howard. Not quite sure on his name. Anyway, he's been playing very well, Ronald Jones, playing like a top 10 back. And he's going to take the starting role this week if he has a good game. Here's what worries me with the Packers. We only have three takeaways on the year. And our defense gives up a whole lot of points. So Brady, probably going to have a good game. If he can hand the ball off to Jones and he has a huge game, it's basically going to mean that the game comes down to Will Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have a once-in-a-season season top performance? If they go off, we get guys like Robert Tanyan back in the mix. Tanyan had three touchdowns against Atlanta. He has another big game. And I think this game really comes down to which offense is more explosive. And I just – I got to ride with my team here. Rodgers is playing confidently and happily. He's clicking with all of his wide receivers. He's got a smile on his face. LaFleur has been doing great with the play calls. And a lot of the Sharps are saying to, you know, Sharps like to fade the public. And right now, 72% of the money is on the Packers to 
win this game, both money line and on the spread. So they're saying, you know, Packers coming off a bye week, they're going to be a little sluggish. The Bucks have also had 10 days to prepare, fade the public, go with Tampa Bay. You're getting, you know, a point, home underdogs. Forget about it. Packers have the books running scared. If you add up all the games that the Packers have covered the spread by, they've covered by 40 points collectively and over their course of their four wins. I think after this game, we're going to have the whole league running scared and we're going to have the books running scared. So lock of the week, take the Packers on minus 114 while you can get them at a good value because you won't see it again for the rest of the season. Go Pack Go. Now that's something, you have something nice and being able to say LaFleur is good with the play calling. I can't say the same thing about Adam Gase. Oh, that is just, that That the whole organization makes me cringe. I'm so sorry. You got to watch that every week. <laughs> now, what's what are your thoughts on, on Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs? Wow. I mean, I think that, so the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire guy, he's been yeah. playing now, and now they're going to have Bell to go to. I mean, our team is stacked. That's you like kind of feel bad for Hilaire, too. Yeah, well, yeah, you do, right? I hope he doesn't – I hope they still keep him as a starter and kind of – I don't know about that. Really? You think they'll just give it to Bell off of, like, his experience? Yeah, I mean, they got him for a reason. It's just a one-year deal, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think – yeah, I, I agree with you. They did get him for a reason. They're taking the fact that he's one of the most experienced backs in the league and one of the most proven. But And maybe it's just the Jets factor. Maybe he just wasn't that explosive because he was playing on the Jets. No offense. No, but, he, I don't, he wasn't happy, yeah. I don't think, to begin with. The relationship between him and Gase was off to, got off to a rocky start when Gase said that he didn't want Le'Veon Bell and didn't want to pay him that much money as a running back. So his impression right off the bat was, they don't want me here. Right. Then Gase, you know, took him out of practice scrimmages and stuff like that. And they had the Twitter beef this past week. or And it was just never, never good. Yeah. I mean, he only averaged like 3.3 yards per carry with the Jets in his like year with the Jets. Wow. And that's incredibly disappointing. And I guess I'm just thinking, like, you don't just go from that to getting 150 yards per game, like, out of nowhere, just because you're now on the Super Bowl winning Chiefs. So I would hope that Andy Reid would still give Clyde, you know, Edwards Hilaire, the touches he deserves until you see Bell going off for at least, like, a couple weeks of 100-yard games. Yeah, that's fair. Like a one running back system. That's fair. Yeah. Then there'll be a tandem like Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But we're also, you have to think, coming off the Steelers, he's not as young as he used to be mm -hmm. coming off the Steelers, but does he still have it in him? That's what we have to find out because he didn't see it on the Jets at all. Yeah, yeah, and but honestly, I think it's an exciting thing. I kind of like when the league does this. Chiefs got a little bit of a super team down there, so it'll be exciting to see if he could take them over the top and you know performs like he did when he was in Pittsburgh in his prime. You think? Do you see the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl again this year? 
AFC Championship, definitely. I, I'm looking at a Patriots-Chiefs rematch. Or that happened like two years ago mm-hmm. in the AFC Championship. Yeah, so going back to two years ago. I don't see him going back, though. No, you think the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl this year? I do. Wow. I think Cam Noonan takes them and, yeah, proves all the haters wrong and earns a huge contract because he only took, you know what I mean, the league minimum or whatever this year. That's bold. And, and we'll definitely talk more about our Super Bowl matchups. Maybe next week we'll, we'll dig a little deeper into that. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be fun. I mean, I could, I could tease mine right now, but you already know who the other team is. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone who listens knows. But yeah. that is all we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening, Andrew. I appreciate you coming on as always and your picks. Thanks. Good luck with them. I hope that your picks hit. Thank I might, you. I might tail a couple. Yeah, we'll I, I might tail all of yours. Just <laughs> my own losses because <laughs> I know you'll, you'll hit yours, so. I'm not, I don't know about that. I've been a little iffy with the football picks this year. But as always, this podcast is brought to you by Guy Boston Sports. Follow them on Twitter. Follow Guy New York Sports on Twitter. Follow me and Andrew on Twitter at SamaraRose31 and at CityJohn. And let us know what you want to hear on upcoming episodes of the show. You know, we're getting down. It's going to be only football. Uh, it's weird because usually basketball is starting up around this time. But right now we have MLB playoffs. It's almost almost the finals. I feel like no one's really paying attention very yeah. much to, to that. So we're just going to have football, um, maybe some MLS talk. I don't know how much longer that season's going to be. How, how long is the MLS season? Uh, December. It's going until December. So, yeah, that'll be going pretty much through – I think it's the final is the second week of December. Maybe we'll talk some footy and football and football. Yeah. Oh, that could be a good name for an episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, again, let us know what you want to hear on upcoming episodes of the show. And thank you so much for listening.